Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. You were an enemy of God when he reached out to you. Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his love towards us that while we were still sinners, Christ died. He didn't reach out to you when you got it together. You were sinning against him hardcore when he came after you in love. And so God said, look, when your enemy is doing to you what you used to do to me, I want you to feed him. Give him something to drink. Um, you'll be blown away at what it does for your heart. Never mind how they receive it. You'll be blown away at what this does for your heart when you bless people that, that don't deserve it. When you open your home to a stranger, it's an act that points to something else. When you choose to forgive someone who has greatly wronged you, it causes that person to stop and pause. When you put others before yourself, you're communicating something with your actions. In all of these areas, Pastor Bill reminds you today that you're showing people Jesus. You're only doing the very thing that Jesus did for you in the first place. So next time you want revenge, turn the other cheek instead. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Romans chapter 12 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. That we wouldn't have cold hearts to where when legitimate things are around us, we're not open. We're closed-fisted. You know, I'm not, no, just got enough for me and mine. Um, but that we would, you know, we would, we would care for each other's needs and we look out for one another. So distributing to the needs of the saints, given the hospitality. Now, this is important, right? The idea of being given to something is almost the same word used for being addicted. It's, it's just that I'm given over to being hospitable. Are you hospitable? Can people come fellowship with you? Um, are you open to that? Are, are you someone that's like, you know, I got my church life and I got my life and I don't let the two cross up. Then you're not given to hospitality. Um, so I just everybody here, there, there should be people that you get with from the body of Christ on your own outside of this gathering. Um, we should be hospitable or open to one of people coming over and having fellowship and spending time together and just loving on one another, having more intimate times of fellowshipping and talking and families sharing time together, um, giving to hospitality. Um, and again, what does that do? Right. If we're all given hospitality and we just open our lives up to one another and we share one another and we love on each other like that, um, just it just creates a family environment, which we are the family of God. It'll remove the idea. This will never feel like a business. Or like some kind of professional gathering that's all yucky and who are they? Am I part of that? They're part of that team. I'm not part of that crew. You know, it'll remove all that when you guys are able to just sit down and, you know, I mean, I, I have guys over. It's not even fellowship. I just beat them all in dominoes and they, and they love me for it. You know, um, I'm just kidding. But we, we, we get together and do other stuff, you know, and just enjoy each other. And it's like it just breaks down walls to where we're family, man. These are my brothers, you know, my brothers and, and my sisters and so forth and so on. So. That's something that we got to work at, though, um, opening up our lives to other people, being vulnerable to other people and not worrying about all these things, um, being hospitable to other people. Look at verse 14 now. Bless, though. Now, this is where it's going to get difficult. So everybody put on your big boy and your big girl pants, because this is where it gets kind of choppy. This is where everybody, you know, just hear this real well. Right. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. First of all. Um, anybody here have persecutors, people that are coming against you, people that treat you bad? Maybe you do. Maybe they live in your own house. Uh, maybe you see them at work. Maybe they live down the street. Maybe they're downstairs from you in the building. Maybe they're up the block from your house, wherever they are. People that persecute you, that's people that are actively coming against you. 
The natural inclination to anybody in this room in your flesh, when somebody comes against you, your natural inclination is to go back against them a little harder. Um, that, by the way, so, you know, that's the, that's the natural bent. You, you coming against me, I'm going to come back against you. Um, God said, look, those who persecute you, he says, I want you to bless those who persecute you. Now, it's not enough that I don't do something bad back. Right. God says, do something good. Bless those who persecute you. And then for extra emphasis, he says, bless and do not curse. If you didn't get it right, if you didn't get it the first time I said it, whenever God repeats himself, it's because he knows that people are looking for a loophole. God said, look, bless those who curse you. You didn't get that. Bless and do not curse. Clear enough. So God said, I want you to bless them. So everybody here that has someone that you feel this person persecutes me, they come against me. They, 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 I mean, it's, you don't have to even think long when the people do that. They, they're, they're coming up right now. <laughs> write their name down right now in your notes, write down their name. And then I want you to write down how you're going to bless them. Cause God said, bless them. That means do something good. That, that blessing someone is active. I don't bless you by just like my flesh says it's a blessing that I didn't do nothing back. But God says, no, 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 no. It, it's going to be, a, you're going to bless them. You're going to do something good to that person. Um, and then not in hypocrisy either. Don't do it and say, I hope, I hope you like it. God bless you, you know, <laughs> but really do it out of sincere and, and God will help you do it. You'll be blown away at how it sets you free. And what God will do through that is you just say, I'm going to choose to, I'm going to bless those that come against me. Um, it's powerful. It's what Jesus did, right? What did he do from the cross? It's one of the most powerful things to me in the whole Bible that he would be hanging on a cross. The people that at the foot of the cross hung him on the cross they mocked him. They, they slammed a crown of thorns on his head to make him bleed on his head. They gambled for his clothes, making a mockery of him as he was on the cross. They stripped him and humiliated him. And he prays from the cross, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. He's blessing. And he said, God, forgive them. I'm praying forgiveness for them. He didn't pray, get them. God, send lightning down, make their kids die. You know, he didn't pray like some of us would pray, right? Some of us, God, I'll give them all cancer and AIDS at the same time, you know, and let them die slow. God said, <laughs> y'all be glad I'm not God. <laughs> so, uh, he said, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Uh, he prayed forgiveness and mercy for them. And so God says, look, that's what I want you to do. Be like me. Follow my example. Jesus is never telling us to do something he didn't do as an example for us. So he's not he's not giving out hypocritical commandments. He says, I did all these things and it was very fruitful. I want you guys to follow suit. So we're really as we learn these things that we're going through, we're following Jesus. This is how Jesus behaved. He's teaching you and I to behave like him in our dealings with difficult people. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Verse 15 now. And uh, if you write notes, you can write down Matthew 5. 44 to 46, and um, it's, it's almost uh, almost mimics what Jesus said there. I'm going to read it real quick, and then um, I'm going to keep going. Matthew 5, starting at verse 44, says, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. Verse 46 is a kicker. He says, For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors or the non-believers do the same, right? If you're only able to love people that love you, God's you're just like a non-believer. When you wasn't saved, you loved your friends that loved you, right? And what happened when they didn't love you no more? I hate you. 
You know, you, you break the friendships, broke up, relationships broke up in the world. You love people as long as they love you. As long as it's good for you, you love them. But then as soon as it gets bad for you, I don't know. I can't stand them no more. I thought you loved them. They was like your best. It was your BFF. You know, last year. Now they now they, you hate them. You know, they can't even they, they block them on all your social media and stuff like that. That's where we go against our, our natural inclination, where God would say, I want you to bless them. And it's look this. We're never more like Jesus than when we're loving unlovely people. Never. My opportunity, when people are unlovely, they are my opportunity to be like Jesus, to let Jesus shine through me when I love unlovely people. So don't miss your opportunity to be like Jesus with them unlovely people in your life. Amen? Okay, verse 15 now says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And I'm going to read verse 16 because I think these go together. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. And he says, look, I, and I think the one of the ways that we can be of the same mind, when someone's rejoicing, God's rejoice with them. Right? What happens in the world when someone's rejoicing? I got a promotion. And somebody else, they start, we, we call it hating. I don't even know why they got that promotion. I do it better than they do it, you know. And God says, you know, if somebody's rejoicing, rejoice with them. Man, I'm happy for you. I'm happy that you're happy, right? You're my family. I'm blessed that you're blessed. I'm glad that worked out for you. Never mind that it's not working out for you yet, um, but I'm blessed for you. I'm blessed that it's, it's going well for you. I was listening to uh, uh, John Corson was giving a message. and He gave this story. Uh, there was these two girls in a in a prayer group and they were both married and praying to have kids and were having a hard time uh, getting pregnant. And they were praying together, praying together, praying together. And then the one girl got pregnant and she came and she was all excited and just like, I got pregnant. I'm like, you know, she's sharing the great news that she's pregnant or whatever. And the other girl, you know, said, oh, I'm happy for you. But then she left. She left out of the meeting, upset that it happened for her first. Um, and she was upset by it. And later on, um, the other girl would also get pregnant and she apologized for her attitude and whatnot. But you sit there and just think, man, you should have been able to rejoice for her. Right. The Lord did it in her life first. You should be able to rejoice. So we need to rejoice with those who rejoice. Right. And then we need to weep with those who weep. It's a very um, inconsiderate thing when someone else is weeping and sorrowful or going through it and we can't weep with them. You know, we can't um, I, I don't I don't have compassion for that. Um, man, you need to suck it up. You're always crying about stuff. You know, um, you know, we, we don't want to be like that in the body. We want to be able to when someone's rejoicing. I want to rejoice with you. I'm happy for you. Genuinely happy for you. Not not a hypocritically. I'm happy for you. But on the on the deal, I'm hating on you. I'm really happy for you. The things are going well. And if you're sorrowful, God, give me compassion. Give me a heart that cares when people are hurting, that I can I can just weep with them. I can I can be there for them in, in that kind of time. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Then he says, be of the same mind towards one another. Right. That we would just have the same heart, the same mind towards each other. Um, verse. Oh, the rest of verse 16. So be of the same mind toward one another. It says, do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Another thing that messes up the unity of the believers, right? If we're of the same mind towards one another, that means we're, we're, there's a connection. We're all of the same mind. We, we all see each other as brother, as sister, as family of God. Then he tells us that we would not set our mind on high things and we wouldn't be high minded. Uh, that, the idea there is that I wouldn't be setting myself up way up here. I'm, I'm not just, just so you guys know, as a body gathers, there's in this room, there's so many different gifts and callings. There's, I'm pastor. There's other pastors. People are teachers. People are in servant 
uh, capacities. There's, we're in a lot of different capacities. There isn't anybody greater, right? We're to be of the same mind towards one another, um, not setting our mind on high things. There's no, there's no level to achieve in, in our service together. We, we need everybody, right? We need those to set up and tear down. We need those to do the sound. We need those to do the kids. We need me to do this. We need people to lead the worship. We need people to guard us outside. We need all the pieces together and no one's higher. There's not a, there's, who's the highest one here when every time we gather? Jesus. And he'll always be that way if we do it right. He'll always be the big deal. He'll always be the, the, the attraction will always be Jesus Christ is the one that's high and lifted up and worthy of worship. All of us, we're all down here together, family. Brothers and sisters, children of the most high God, happy to be so. So do not set your mind on high things, but it says associate with the humble, uh, associate with the humble. Have a have a humble heart. Be of a lowly mind. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. Right. Jesus left heaven, came to earth. Check this out. He came to the earth that he created. God. I mean, he spoke this thing into existence. He was there at the at the creation of everything. And then he came down and came to his own earth and followed rules and paid taxes and let people tell him what to do so that you and I can be saved. So if, if Jesus could go through that, right, I can't have an attitude about humble. I, I mean, we just need to be humble. And um, so every believer here that we would associate with the humble, then it says, do not be wise in your own opinion. Don't have an opinion about yourself that you're, you're wise in your own eyes. You all that, you know, you got, you got it all figured out. Not wise in your own opinion. Verse 17, sorry, back to... The dealing with people that do you wrong. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. So here God says, don't repay people that do you wrong. Um, again, in the world, if you do me wrong, I'm going to get you back. You hit me, I'm going to hit you back. That's why in the Old Testament, the rule was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Why was that? Because if you, if you took my eye, I'm taking both of yours. God said, no, 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 no. One eye for one eye, one tooth for one. He was just making sure it was just you didn't go overboard because that's human nature, right? I've always been a prankster. And so I know with pranks, they always go up a notch, right? So I never get in at the entry level. I want somebody to start it with me. So now I can take it up a notch. You, you, you open the door. So for you guys that have ever pranked with me, you know, um, I've never, anyway, I won't, I won't boast in that. But uh, that's something I used to, you know, I used to really get into. So I, I always, my rules were, I didn't prank people that didn't want to play. If you didn't start it with me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't involve you in it. But when somebody got frisky and decided to start, I was like, oh, you just messed up. You don't even know. I've been waiting for a sucker like you to come around. And I was just unleashed, you know, all my prank wars on them and, and everything else. So, you know, the idea here is that, you know, we wouldn't be repaying people for evil. Um, we're not getting them back. That's the natural inclination to get them back. God says, don't repay them. Right. Don't repay anybody evil for evil. He says, have regard for good, for good things in the sight of all men. I'm regarding good things in the sight of all men. And then this is important in verse 18. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. So I'm going to say it one more time. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. God says, look, I want you to be at peace with people. And if it's possible, as much as depends on you, I want you to be at peace with people. So if you got beef with somebody and you've done all the things you can do, I tried to forgive them. I tried to give them gifts. I tried to, you know, I, I reached out. I, I apologize. I humbled myself, I, whatever. And they just won't have it. That's okay. But make sure it's not on your end, right? Make sure you're not the reason why there's not reconciliation 
in a relationship. Make sure you're not the reason why you guys aren't dwelling together peaceably. Make sure you're not the one holding something out or, or keeping it going or stirring it up. You know, he says, if it's possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. It's everybody. So are you living? I don't, I don't know if unpeaceably is a word, but are you if you're here and you're not living peaceably with someone, um, take ownership for as much of it as you're in control of. As much as it's possible with you, make sure you're living at peace with all men. That's what God wants. Verse 19, beloved, he says, do not avenge yourselves. Now, he already told us, don't repay anybody evil for evil. Now, it's almost like he softened them up. He's like, beloved, but beloved children, family, loved of God, those you guys beloved. He says, beloved, do not avenge yourselves, right? Don't seek out revenge when you've been done wrong. That's human nature. When you've been done wrong, you want revenge. I want to get them back. I want to make them pay. But God says, don't don't avenge yourselves. He says, but rather give place to wrath for it is written. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Right. So God said, look, I don't want you to seek out vengeance yourself for it's written. Right. I'll repay. And so leave room for the Lord uh, to do what God does. Now, when it says give place to wrath. This isn't a wicked like, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to not get you back so God can get you better. Um, but the idea is this, like, I'm not the one to do the revenge thing. I'm not getting you back. I'm leaving room for the Lord to deal with my situations. And check this out. Everybody's going to pay at some point. If, if they're believers, then they're forgiven. Praise the Lord. If they're non-believers, like there's a day of reckoning for everybody. Right. Nobody ever gets away with anything, no matter what it looks like. Everybody that you've looked at that looked like they got away with crimes in court because they had great attorneys or whatever. They didn't get away with nothing. They got to see God one day. No one gets away with anything. I don't. You don't. No one does. And so God says, don't avenge yourself. Just give place for wrath. Someone done you wrong. Um, someone's done something that's not right. God says, don't don't get don't do it yourself. Right. Give it back to me. Let me handle it for you. Give place to wrath. Now, if God's going to get them, I guarantee you it'll be better than what you could do. And you won't have to sin in the process. You just back up and say, God, I'm your child and you're in charge. You saw what they did to me. I'm just going to leave it in your hands. My natural inclination, this is speaking for myself, says, God, people are going to walk all over me if I live like that. You know why? That's, 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 that's a part of me that's not trusting God. That's a part of me that doesn't believe that God's going to come through. That God's going to protect me or take care of things or let it be. That's the part of me that feels like if I don't do it myself, it's not going to get done. But God says, that's not what the Bible says. So I got to give place to wrath. Right. Wrath is not for me to dole out. It's for God to dole out um, if he's going to do so. God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Now we get a therefore, a follow up. Verse 20. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. What does that mean? So, first of all, um, if your enemy is hungry, how many of you have ever just saw your enemy at work hungry and went and bought him a, uh, a subway and didn't poison it. You know, he's hungry and you feed him. He's thirsty. You give him a drink. It's in the morning. You buy him the Starbucks or whatever. Like, guys, just just be like that towards your those that do you wrong. They're thirsty. Take care of them. Give them something to drink. Right. Why does he say that? Because he did it for you. Right. You were an enemy of God when he reached out to you. Romans 5 eight. God demonstrates his love towards us that while we were still sinners, Christ died. He didn't reach out to you when you got it together. You were sinning against him hardcore when he came after you in love. And so God said, look, when your enemy is doing to you what you used to do to me, I want you to feed him. Give him something to drink. 
um, you'll be blown away at what it does for your heart. Never mind how they receive it. You'll be blown away at what this does for your heart when you bless people that that don't deserve it. When you become like Jesus, God, I'm giving someone something they don't deserve. That sounds like what you did for me. That's what grace is. God, give me what I don't deserve. God said, no, give them something they don't. You'll be being like me. Right. That'll be evidence that I'm working through you, that you're giving grace. You're giving people what they don't deserve because just because I want you to. Um, it's, it's a liberating thing. And people will look and say, what, what is different about you? It's a witness. They'll see Jesus in you as you live like this. Instead of getting vengeance, instead of getting people back, instead of, you know, I'm going to do back to them what they did to me. Just saying, God, I'm going to bless them and just let you deal with it. Um, now, the second part of the verse where it says, for in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Um, there's different thoughts on what this means. I'm going to say what it doesn't mean. Right. When you think of coals in a fire, it doesn't mean if I do good to you, it's going to burn. You'll be on your head, burn you bad, make you feel bad. You know, that's that's not the idea here in this culture. Um, you know, you kept fire. If your, if your house got cold. You had coals on the fire. Your enemy is over there freezing, but you got coals on the fire, smoke coming on out the chimney. And so God says in so doing it be like you taking coals out of your fire that were warming up your house and giving it to them. And it's an idiom. It's kind of like when we say somebody kicked the bucket, right? They didn't really kick a bucket. It's an idiom, right? They died. That's a, it's, a, it's an idiom for someone died. We say they kicked the bucket. When it says it, you will, you know, heap coals of fire on his head, the idea is that it's going to, um, for your enemy or your neighbor, it's, it's, it's going to be a burning conviction that, that our, our kindness of what we're doing for them. Not they're going to be burned by it, but it's just going to, it's going to burn into them. Look at, look at what they're doing for me. And I read a great quote said this, we destroy our enemies by making them our friends. Right. So instead of letting my enemy stay my enemy and putting fuel in the fire of enemy and I become their enemy too, right. Them treat me bad, made me treat them bad, bad. God says you could destroy an enemy by making them a friend, just loving on them. There's a verse in Proverbs 21, 14 that says just a gift given in secret pacifies anger. And I'm not saying that we, you know, we buy people gifts to pacify them, but you'd be blown away when you do something good for someone that know they're doing you wrong. How it just, you know, what it does to their heart. Uh, but again, I think most importantly, what it does to our own hearts. Verse 21, last verse. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And we need to understand that evil is always trying to overcome us. Evil is always trying to overtake us through people. God says, don't be overcome by it. What does it mean to be overcome by evil? It means that the evil done through someone else has now made me become evil back. I've been overcome by evil. You yelled at me, now I'm yelling at you. I've been overcome by evil. You cussed me out, now I cussed you back out. I've been overcome by evil. God says, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You yelled at me, I blessed you. You did me wrong, I did you right. You treated me wrong, I, I didn't respond in kind. I'm going to overcome evil with good. That's, that's overcoming, right? Instead of you overcoming me, instead of you making me become just like you, right? Instead of someone that's spiritually ugly, making me become spiritually ugly too, God said, what you can do is overcome evil with good, right? Overcome that evil by being good, being like me to them. It'll blow them away. It'll bless your heart. It'll glorify me. And so my encouragement to us is we've had this 30 commandments, uh, just how we treat one another. I encourage you to read them through again and again. Um, if there were some in particular that you would say, man, I'm, I'm, I need help in this one. And um, the, as I read through them, I know the ones that I see the most where people are challenges, those people that are doing you wrong, people that have done mean things to you. Can you be encouraged this week? Right. I'm a, intentionally this week. Right? I'm a pursue. 
I'm a pursue and love people that do me wrong and just I'm gonna see what happens. I'm gonna try God out. I'm going to just go love them. I'm going to do nice things to them. Um, Don't expect anything from them because you might be disappointed, but you do it as unto the Lord and see what the Lord does in your heart as you live this way. And um, my closing thought is this. All the things that God is requiring of us and asking us to do in this section of scripture, right? All the forgiving bad people and doing good to those who do us wrong and all these things. Every single thing that we've been asked or required or commanded to do here is exactly the way that Jesus lived his life out. Uh, He was an example of all those things. And so he hasn't asked us to do anything that he didn't model for us in the Gospels as we look at his life. Amen. Romans 5, 3 to 5 says, We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Paul knew suffering and he had faced false accusations, been beaten, left for dead, imprisoned, and hated by his own people. How could a man who has suffered so much rejoice in it? He answers that question through the love of God and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Next time you're facing suffering, jump into the book of Romans. Dig into the life of Paul and remember the purpose of the suffering to produce endurance, character, and hope. We're so glad you joined us today on A Transforming Word, where Pastor Bill Buffington has been working his way through the rich book of Romans. A Transforming Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're in the area, we'd love to see you in person. We have two services on Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. and one service midweek. That one is held Wednesday evenings at 7. If you're not in the area, we live stream our services on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also find us online at CalvaryInglewood.org. Under the media tab, you'll find links to our messages as well as our mobile app. We're out of time for today. Thanks for deciding to spend your time with us today. We'll see you again next time with more from Romans on a Transforming Word. 